is Discussion of Truth. Ian Trottier here, uh, a Sunday edition. Folks, sacrifice a gold star widow's fight for the truth. Seems to be uh, something that is hard to come by these days. Uh, yeah, I want to read a quote. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just hosted Charles Strange. He's the gold star. The gold star is given to, I believe, the family, either spouse or parent, if the uh, if the soldier is not married, it's given to the parent. This is my understanding. I might be off on that, but the gold star is then given to the family of the uh, of the uh, soldier that uh, that we, the United States, has lost in battle. Um, a purple heart is often given to the sacrifice made by the soldier, uh, but uh, the gold star is given to the family member. Uh, and here's, you know, here is the, uh, the, 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 the most interesting quote. This is 1954. Uh, remember McCarthyism, uh, McCarthyism is, was nothing new to the political field 70 years ago. It's really nothing new to the political field today. Um, before we bring Michelle on, let me just read this quote by Senator William Ezra Jenner. 1954, outwardly, he says, we have a constitutional government. We have operating within our government and political system, another body representing another form of government, a bureaucratic elite, which believes our constitution is outmoded. Sound uh, like a quote that could be used today? Absolutely. Because what uh, Senator Jenner is talking about here is the deep state, something that Donald Trump brought to the forefront and something that any listener of this program should immediately begin investigating. What is the deep state? There is a government government within the government that's called the, in my view, the bankers that control the government. This government, this federal government is on borrowed time and is inching closer, in my view, day to day to bankruptcy. And therefore, the debtors will come collecting. Who are the debtors? And you can trace that right through the city of London, which is not part of the United Kingdom. Read up on Anthony Sutton. I have all this information on my website. Just click the research tab. And I add other books to that field of literature quite often. But that is a collection of five years of literature that I've compiled for listeners of the program and readers of my book. Um, it's on pre-order. But uh, No More Lies, Freedom Reserve is the name of the book. Coming out here soon, very soon, very soon by Trine Day Publishing. So anyway, so the deep state folks are the puppets, the puppet master, the control of the strings, the puppets, the politicians. It's really not that difficult, especially when you look at what Sutton was writing out of Stanford. as He was a Hoover fellow in the 70s. He was talking about the unconstitutionality of the Federal Reserve Bank. Something that Anthony Sabatini out of Florida has recently said is unconstitutional and needs to be repealed. That is the Federal Reserve Act, signed in 1913 by Woodrow Wilson. And something that Mark Fincham and Sonny Borelli out of Arizona have also alluded to, that the Federal Reserve is perhaps not the best, the best economic scale for the United States. Okay, 
So let me read this uh, quickly. Uh, this is the prologue. This is page one, Michelle's book. 26 days earlier, 10 Green Berets fought a lethal battle on the ground in Niger, Africa against ISIS militants. The ambush, which resulted in the deaths of my husband, she says, and three of the, his fellow soldiers, was the largest loss of American life in that region. I'm assuming she's saying Africa. Uh, since the Battle of Magadishu, which is on the east coast of that continent. Also in Somalia, also known as Black Hawk Down. That was in 1993. So 25, I get my math right on that. Yeah, 25, <laughs> surprising. Uh, 25 years later, uh, another ambush. Uh, well, not involving any helicopters. Let's get uh, let's get Michelle's story here. We're bringing on Michelle Black, ladies and gentlemen, uh, author of Sacrifice. Hello, Michelle Black, Ian Trottier here. Welcome to Discussions oh, of Truth. Hi, thank you so much. Well, thank you, and uh, I appreciate uh, what you're doing. Uh, let's let's get into the book Sacrifice that you've written. You've got quite the uh, Quite the impressive publisher, Penguin Publishing. I mean, it must mean that you, you, you've got quite the story. Michelle, for listeners, would you introduce yourself, please? Absolutely. Um, I am Michelle Black. I am the widow of Staff Sergeant Brian Black, who was killed in the ambush in Niger, Africa in 2017 when his uh, team was ambushed by ISIS militants. So my, my, first, my first question Michelle is I've I've done a little bit of research. I, I know what kind of uh, uh, soldier and husband you uh, you were married to. Uh, uh, he was Green Beret, highly accomplished. Was a medic for the army. Uh, what what was he doing? What 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 were our men? What was he doing? What was the army doing in Niger in two thousand seventeen? We were doing what was called a by, with, and through mission, which is something we do often when we're working with our allied countries. So we were helping the Nigerian um, uh, partner forces to train um, to fight them, uh, help them fight against uh, extreme, um, basically violent extremists who were, the, the threat was growing along their borders. So we were just there to train. And and before I brought you on, I made that parallel which you which you address that 1993 incident in uh, in Somalia, Mogadishu, the Black Hawk Down. Um, are, are, is this the same ISIS extremist group, or is it a different faction? Niger is about six thousand miles to the west, but is is this the same threat, in your opinion? Um, it's very similar, yes. It, it just changes over the years. So who's funding them, who's leading them, but essentially, yeah, it, it's it's all ISIS. Now, in your book, you go into a sense of caution, whereas when uh, you left Brian at the airport, uh, you really didn't want to release that embrace, whereas that hadn't happened previously in your relationship what was what was what was going through your mind what was being what, what was being said to you do you think uh, about that last time you saw your husband it was really just a heavy premonition and i couldn't quite put my finger on it but it was a real sense of dread a very tangible sense of dread yeah and did you convey that at all with brian or did brian voice any type of resistance uh, to you about joining that mission that he had been called to, to, to go on? 
neither of us voiced it, but he seemed to be feeling the same way. He also held on a little longer and seemed very hesitant to move forward. Normally, we weren't those kind of people. So it, it was odd. Yeah, and I want listeners to know that, uh, yeah, this is... This is a book that I've I've skimmed through a little bit, and the, and 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 the part that you go into the actual uh, moment where you're with your children's grandfather by the swing set. Uh, this 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 book, ladies and gentlemen, will bring bring some emotional will stir some emotional uh, senses in you. That was very uh, dramatic to to read that, uh, and 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 I would I would assume Michelle incredibly uh, incredibly uh, uh, difficult yet requiring much strength of you to, to, to write that and open yourself up and open your family up to this. Uh, that leads into the next question, I suppose, Michelle, why is it that you wrote this book? What is, what do you want readers to really walk away from with this? I wrote this book because there was a great injustice that was done to all of the families and the men who survived the attack. And I wanted um, I wanted our military to know that they can't continue lying to the families and to families. I wanted them to know that they can do something about it. They can stand up for themselves and do what's right. Yeah. And this is, again, the, the, the title of the book is Sacrifice, a Gold Star Widow's Fight for the Truth. And, and Michelle, just a few days ago on this program, I hosted a man by the name of Charles Strange and Charles' son, Michael uh, was aboard Extortion 17, uh, and he too was given uh, was was given some some very odd stories, and it seems that he was blatantly lied to. Uh, why were you lied to, Michelle? Why is it that you were lied to? Was 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 this a cover up of your of your husband's death? Yes, I believe so. I believe that the man who ordered the mission and was responsible for the, everything that happened he was protected somewhere. I believe that it was basically we were lied to in order to protect his career because he continues on. And yet so many other people have been affected by his decisions between loss of life and other people losing their jobs when they had done nothing wrong. Do you feel that, do you feel that perhaps he knew that he shouldn't be uh, going out on this convoy when he did, uh, uh, or, or do you think that he was simply following directives, an accident happened, and then he began covering up to save his career? What's the angle in which he was uh, being deceptive to protect himself? He wasn't following directives. I think that he did not take proper precautions, and when this happened, he didn't provide, um, the team was not provided the proper assets for the mission they were carrying out. Um, when one team got turned around, so my husband's team was sent up alone. They requested to return to base, and he forced them ahead on their own. Um, so all of the final decisions to send my husband's team into an unsafe situation were made by this man. And in the end, other people were blamed for it. And he allowed that to happen without taking any blame himself. And it, and it seems like the the father of your husband... Uh, has come forth and requested that this person not be reprimanded. Are we talking about the same the same person? No, he came forth and asked that the captain of the team, Captain Perzini, not be reprimanded um, because the captain of the team is who the majority of the blame was put upon. Even though he was on the ground and requested to return to base multiple times, it was the lieutenant colonel who was back in chat, who was head over 
that whole area and ordered these missions, he's the one who was not punished, and um, he should have been. And what is what is this person's name? Lieutenant Colonel David Painter. And have you approached this person about about this? Um, not the last time I saw him, he came to my home seven months after my husband was killed for the first time, and he gave me excuses and more lies. So I have not spoken to him since. What do you think he knew? Do you, do you think he knew something? Uh, why do you think the cover up again? Re re repeat that if you've already mentioned that. I want to make this clear. I believe that he was hoping by sending my husband and his team after a um, after a high value target. I hope. I think he was hoping they would run across some sort of intelligence that would lead to the capture of this terrorist or to. Um, finding an American hostage who was potentially held in that area. And when, instead of them finding who they were being sent after, they were ambushed, this lieutenant colonel, rather than holding himself responsible, blamed other people. That's what I believe happened. Is it one of your objectives to somehow hold this person accountable? Um, my objective is, yes, to have his name be replaced um, replace that because all of the blame was always said to be Captain Perzini and his name was all over the media was Captain Perzini and I want that name to be replaced with Lieutenant Colonel David Painter because when you are willing to put men's lives at risk and then not take any responsibility for the consequences of your decision making you should not continue to lead people into battle and is, is Painter is he currently still active duty yes Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Um, now, Michelle, you, you also t undertook the brave task of interviewing the survivors that, that were somehow, uh, 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 involved in this, uh, this convoy, uh, uh, talk a little bit about what, what you learned when you, when you sat down with, with these, uh, with these people. I learned that, oh gosh, I learned so many things, mainly that the real story of what happened on the ground was so different than what we were told by the investigating officer and all of Africa Command. Um, we were painted, the picture was painted by AFRICOM that this team was a bunch of cowboys who had gone rogue and every decision made by the captain had led to more loss of life. But instead what I found was that we were not given a complete picture and that this team was set upon not by 50 people, but by close to 200. And it's a miracle that any of them survived and that they were extremely brave and heroic. And the team captain is the only reason why any of them made it out alive. Wow. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's a lot. That's, that's a very different picture than, than it seems that you, that, that you were given initially. Uh, are, are American troops still in that region? Um, I believe we've been pulling them out. We may have a few still on the ground, but comparatively, no, mm. hardly any. Yeah, um, this is uh, yeah, this is this is sombering. Um, talk a bit uh, about Michelle. Uh, what sort of things that you have accomplished since you've written the book? Uh, whereas, uh, have you had people step forth? and say, oh, wow, this is a great story. It's helped me uncover this, or it's given me courage to expose this. Uh, anything like that come your way? You know, the main 
main thing that I've accomplished with this is to bring attention to this issue. And also, um, I've begun to work on, um, and, and I hope to continue to work on legislation as we move forward into the next session of Congress to hopefully see the way um, investigations are done in our military to see that change so that this can't happen again to other families. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's really good. What, what, what uh, type of legislation needs to be changed? How, how, how would it be written? Have you, have you gone that far? We haven't gotten that far yet. I know we've looked at, um, right now there's a piece of legislation that recently passed about the way that, um, when, when there's sexual assault in the military, that the command of, uh, so the command under which that assault happened cannot investigate the incident. And that's very similar to this in that Africa Command investigated Africa Command and they investigated the incident. And so the fact that that command would investigate the incident that happened under their watch is not appropriate. Yeah, that sounds like an oxymoron. It sounds totally inappropriate. So paint this picture for uh, for, for listeners, how, how, how should this have been investigated in your view? How, I'm sorry? How, how should have this, how should this incident have been investigated in your view? It should have been investigated by a command completely separate from the incident. Yeah. So when we're talking about AFRICOM and, um, they're providing the intelligence, they're providing the assets, they're providing the trucks. My husband's team is moving in, um, all of this. That, you know, that's not acceptable. USASOC, these were their people, U.S. Army Special Operations Command. I would imagine they'd be a good one to run the investigation. Or even SOC Africa, Special Operations Command Africa. Um, but to have the four-star command run the investigation means not only are the guys on the ground not their people, so it's easier to blame them, but also if there's any issues with the trucks, with the um, the assets or lack of assets or the intelligence, that's all coming from them. And so, of course, we're not going to get real answers to, you know, what should have been provided to the team versus what was provided to the team. Yeah, um, there is a uh, a poly, uh, he's a Green Beret, as a matter of fact, Michelle uh, running for uh, running for a, uh, a, a congressional seat out of the Northwest. His name is Joe Kent, and he's a uh, past guest of, of the show. Um, you know, if, if any, anybody that, that I might know that can help, uh, with this legislation, you, you please let me know. Um, talk about, uh, Donald Trump here. This happened under, uh, Trump's presidency. Uh, I, yeah, frankly, Michelle, I've never even known that this incident even happened, uh, until I came across your book. I, di- I didn't even know we had, uh, the, well, the U S I didn't even know we had, uh, uh, soldiers in Niger fighting, uh, ISIS cells. Um, so this is something, this is something completely new to me, uh, which, which, which is what it is. But, but again, we go back to, to Donald Trump. Uh, have you had a chance to, uh, uh, to, to get Donald Trump to speak about, uh, this incident and, and how, how has it been received by him? You know, 
we spoke about it right after it occurred. He called my family um, to give us condolences and was just remarkable. Talked to my kids, talked to me. Um, we buried my husband in Arlington, and um, he actually gave us a couple rooms at the Trump Hotel in D.C., and um, we stayed there while we buried Brian, and um, we were given a private tour of the White House as well while we were there. So he's he's aware of the incident um, very much so. In fact, Jim Mattis, who was the Secretary of Defense at the time, when the initial investigation was finished, he's the one who said it needed to be reviewed because he felt that the uh, punishments and the outcome of the report didn't look right. Interesting. That's uh, Mad Dog Mattis, I think is his nickname. Um, and has that kind of fizzled out or is, is there still an ongoing review investigation in this Biden administration? It, it's kind of fizzled out. Um, right after that was started, Jim Mattis had um, resigned. And so somebody else came in and, you know, basically did a review and said it looked fine and everything just kind of, there, there was a second round of punishments, but really nothing else changed that much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like this legislation is probably the main target that you have going forward. Is that is that correct? That is. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, your sons. Here's another real interesting thing about uh, these boys. And, and, and again, reading that that episode there of how they learned about the father's death is, it is difficult, folks. Uh, when you read it, it uh, is very emotional. Uh, but. This is what's also interesting about your, your family is that one of your boys um, was diagnosed with autism. Is that right? That's correct. But, but, it, but he doesn't have autism? Can you clarify uh, for listeners? He does have autism. Autism is a spectrum. Um, and I believe that, you know, and a lot of doctors will back this up, but when, when they are intelligent and they get enough therapy from an early age, they can overcome a lot of the obstacles and challenges in their way. And um, Ezekiel was very smart. He did not speak till he was five years old, um, and he actually learned to speak and read at the same time. Um, and I was told initially, because he couldn't speak, that he was probably low functioning and would never live away from home and never be in a regular ed classroom. But now he's not only in a regular ed classroom, but he's getting straight A's in high school. So. Wow. Very smart kid. Awesome. Uh, there are something like uh, over there are three over 350 gold star families currently in the United States. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and should this happen uh, to, to, to anyone's family moving forward, it certainly is going to happen. We will lose more uh, men and women in the battlefield. Uh, what type of, uh, uh, what type of uh, recommendations do you have, Michelle? First off, I, I look at the fact that you've written this, this book and and that is uh, that echoes and is very symbolic of an incredibly brave woman yourself so so that 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 shows a lot of strength uh to me um that that you've exemplified to, to even write this book and, and put it out there for the american public to know your story um what type of recommendation do you have for for anyone that loses uh loses a loved one and certainly um you can direct this towards uh your kids because your your, your boys are, are still quite young and certainly Four, four or five years ago when they lost their, 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 their father, that was quite a challenge for, for them and for you. Uh, what type of recommendations do you have for somebody that might be placed in your situation? Just to know from the beginning, no matter how dark it seems, that there are better days ahead. 
and you know you're you're going to always grieve that person but you can learn to live with the grief and you can learn to live successfully with it you know you will laugh again truly laugh so it just takes time yeah and and, and i want to go back again to uh now that you're saying that it reminds me of um the i believe it was the night that you uh you learned of your husband's passing and you you had you had felt this strange um uh, you felt something strange, right? You, you, you felt like something may have happened and then later you got a phone call. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, the same thing had happened to me right before I lost my dad. And I, you know, I felt this, this presence. Um, and to me, it's the spirit of God. It just surrounded me and gave me so much peace and comfort and just told me that I was going to be okay. And um, the last time that had happened to me, that was when I lost my dad. Um, and so I just knew that, you know, um, because I'd been having premonitions about Brian dying, I just knew that that's what was about to happen. Uh, do you feel anything like that, 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 that your your husband continues to communicate with you at all? Do you, do you have any type of those experiences? I don't. Um, I know a lot of people say they, they feel their loved one there all the time or whatever. Um, for me, sometimes I think that that's just something God did for me to bring me peace and prepare me for what was about to come. It gives me a little bit of um, time to come to, to come to terms with it before the news. Michelle, thanks you again for joining the program and um, and keep pushing forward with uh, with with what you're doing to bring this to expose the truth and, and, and get legislation changed uh, to, uh, to keep making this country uh, a greater place to live for all. Uh, thank you for joining the program and keep up the good work. Thank you so much for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, Michelle Black, she's the author of Sacrifice, Gold Star Widows, Fight for the Truth. Um, what, uh, what bravery. What, what a brave woman. Uh, I, I'm just, you know, this is very symbolic of, of, of what this country, what makes this country great. Now, now through, through the, through the past couple years with the lockdowns and the mat, the mandates on masks and, and things of that nature, folks, it has been, I've been doing the show since, now I mentioned 2016, that is when I began the research, but it was the first show 2017. So it has been over five years now that I've been doing this, this show. Uh, and over the past two years, in my experience, ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen, it has been the women, the women that have stepped forth to put their foot down and say, no, enough is enough. I'm not going to wear your mask or I'm not going to get your vaccination or I am going to demand uh, Fauci be investigated. It, it has been the women. Uh, some like to refer to them as the mama bears. Uh, the women make this country great because the women really are the front line from from my experience. Now the men are called to action. The men do men 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 are called to duty, right? The men men make things happen. But in that regard, but but it's the women that set the precedence. And what a fine woman Brian has left for all of us to learn from, 
and uh, and and to and to build build off of. This is a woman's testimony. This is a woman's a woman's courage. This is again a woman's strength that we can all build from. Uh, she's a fighter. Those were those were those are two. That's a married couple. Both of them. Both of them show great American bravery, and uh, and I thank Michelle for her work. Uh, it is available online, uh, p- published by Penguin, ladies and gentlemen. And um, and again, the, the name of the book: Sacrifice of Gold Star Widows. Fight for the truth. Thanks for listening to another discussion of truth. I'm your host, Ian Hamilton Trottier. Again, go to iantrottier.com, click on the research tab, and I exhort you to, 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 to go through that literature that I've compiled over the course of the past five years that shows you exactly where I'm coming from. When Donald Trump talks about deep state or any politician talks about the deep state, it, it is, in my view, in my research, it is the financial banking strings that suffocate freedom and constitutional rights in this country. Until next time, folks, be awesome.